Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 131, episode 2 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. Wow. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially, off the top, fuck the Koch brothers fuck. and Coke industries, fuck Fox News, fuck the open America movement. That's it's also Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's all. I, I need to. I need to get a wider. I need to spread a wider uh, target. I mean, it's yeah, Coke Brothers gives you a lot. Yeah, they do. It's Tuesday, April twenty eighth, twenty twenty. My name is Jack O'Brien, aka. Well, I've heard there was a secret brew of delicious Mountain Dew, but you don't really care for soda, do you? <laughs> it tastes like this, a Baja wish, a sugary citrus finalist, a fizzy king of dew in Baja-lujah, Baja-lujah, Baja-lujah. Bahaluya, Yeah, as courtesy of Ramen King, and I'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Ow! Follow the rules put in place by a city. Keep your health pristine and don't get sickly. Oh, won't you please stay at home? All right, thank you to Christy Yamaguchi Maine for oh, that so wonderful good. Paradise City, aka. And mm. we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by returning guest. He is the brilliant, the hilarious, the talented. He is Mr. Open Mike Eagle. Hello, folks. I, I am I am in awe of those uh, those those little song parodies. So not only the <laughs> writing, but you guys' deliveries. My goodness, I had I had no uh. idea. Yeah, but we're yeah. only doing ten percent of the work. It's the it's the listeners that come through with the ninety. Truly beautiful <laughs> come, work. Yeah, I mean that came together after this morning's episode in which I revealed that I had cans. That's right, cans of Baja <laughs> Blast. Did you get more? I went back to Ralph's and it was totally sold out. That was uh, I. Mm. I have a picture. I'll, I'll send you of just like the empty. <laughs> The empty hole in the soda aisle where the Baja Blast used to be. That's that's when um, it all became real for you. That's when it became real. Uh, were, were there other flavors of Mountain Dew there, even though the Baja Blast was gone? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Everything. So it was like a fully stocked shelf except for the Baja Blast Zero. Oh. Yeah. How much was there when you first copped? Like, was it full or did there you was maybe one. get? There was also, one. Also, it's possible yeah. that you may have gotten the last one. Yeah, I might have. I don't know. Okay. We'll have to see. Somebody, okay. I somebody uh, tweeted at me that there were, uh, they they had more like at some location uh, <laughs> out in Nevada. So I'm gonna go explore that. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing all right. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm like doing close to good, as good as you can be when when stuff is falling apart in the world outside. Yeah. yeah. How have you been yeah. kind of uh, finding equilibrium throughout it all? Because I feel like that's the biggest challenge, at least for me, it was like, okay, I've accepted the situation. Now, what do I need to do to kind of get there? You have you have a schedule. What's sort of helping you? Um, I started doing this, uh, this daily uh, fake radio show on Instagram live that nobody asked for. But it's but the purpose of it is to help remind people what day it is. <laughs> and uh, and it gives gives me a structure, and it helps me feel like I'm doing something for the world, so that mm -hmm. um, you know, so I'm motivated to to be a little bit productive and to be yeah. of some sort of service. Oh, yeah. what is, what's the radio show called? Uh, Quarantine Drive Time Radio. 
Oh, love it. Okay, I'm up to tune in. <laughs> what time do you do it at? Uh, that's the, there's no at that I haven't gotten it, so I, I cannot commit because that's like, like AM or PM drive time. One of the exact, sometimes it's tomorrow where people are listening and it doesn't matter. Like I have to I right, have to right. do it where what day it is where I am. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, yeah like the air horns and the sound effects like other drive time shows. I, I have some obnoxious sounders. Uh, oh, nice. Am I Ableton? Yeah, nice. I really do. Hell yeah. What's the what's awesome. the what's the absolute most obscure drop you have on that soundboard? Uh, I have um, this character Reinhardt from this video game Overwatch. Uh, uh-huh. He he yells "Hammer down," and I hit "Hammer down" all the time <laughs> on Thursdays because Thursday is Thor's day, so I hit "Hammer down." Oh wow! Okay, I like yeah. that. Wow, <laughs> Thursdays, Thor, Thursdays, Thor's for the, day for the Thors. Uh, all right, uh, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. Uh, we're going to talk about, there's six new symptoms uh, to COVID-19. We're going to look at those. We're going to look at the White House's uh, new policy of cutting back on uh, Trump's exposure uh, following his <laughs> Lysol monologue. Yeah, uh, Lysol Palooza. We're going to look at whether or not he is responsible for a spike in calls to poison control. Uh, and whether that matters, uh, we're going to look at the lockdown effects on boomers uh, because they are, after all, the most important group of people, uh, according to them. Uh, we're going <laughs> to look at Pence saying that Memorial Day could be a good day to reopen yeah. and uh, what Dr. Burks has to say about that. We're going to look at quar fatigue. We're going to look at lip filler emergencies. Uh, and of course, we're going to look at Last Dance episode three and four. Uh, I'm going to recap that for you guys, uh, for anybody who didn't catch it, and uh, opine for those who did. But first, Mike, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are? Uh, the last thing I searched was Matt Fraction's X-Men. Uh, I think that tells people a lot about, about me. <laughs> what is that? Uh, well, Matt Fraction is a comic book author, mostly known for this for like reinventing Hawkeye um, in the Got modern it. era. But he, I've been reading uh, nothing but old X Men comics for the past like two months, and so I just finished Matt Fraction's X Men run. Well, I'm in the, the last third of it or whatever. But I searched it on Google because I needed somebody to talk to about it. And nobody cares. Like nobody, people don't make uh, old comic book content the way that you think they would. So I, right. I read this thing on an island, and I remain on an island because because nobody cares. When did it come out? Oh, uh, I think maybe like two thousand eight, nine, something like that. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So, like, yeah, you, I was YouTube was not popping for. Comic are you books, yeah. are you <laughs> reading them? Are you reading the physical books, or do you have like Marvel Unlimited or? Yeah, I got the app, uh, the Marvel app, so yeah. I read everything on my iPad. I so, really that app I've grown to love even more yeah, and more. Too. I downloaded at the end of last year because I was reading the Ta-Nehisi Coates Black Panther on there, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "Wait, I forgot." There's all this these Star Wars <laughs> expanded universe books on there, plus like old Jim Lee X Men that I grew up loving. Yeah, and it's really intuitive the way the app works, like going from paint like panel to panel because it's. Yep. You'd think it would over, like, I could watch it on my, I, I was reading comic books on my cell phone. I was like, there's no way I'm going to cram a whole page on here. But they do, the interface is really, really good. Yeah, comic so. book comic book stores are in trouble because it's too easy to have every comic book in my, yeah. in my backpack, you know? Right, exactly. 
That sucks because that was that was like a fun thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like mm-hmm. going to the record store was like that was a really fun activity that is just going to disappear. Uh, has disappeared. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah there's, you know, comic book uh, distribution stopped too. Right. Uh, so there hasn't been any new comics since like the last week of March. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Shit. Is there anything to like try and digitize it, or are they just they're just putting everything on hold back when they can start selling physical copies? They're putting everything on hold because they they had manufactured a certain amount of those physical comics already. Got it. And they don't want to have it where like they sell everything digitally, and then when the comic book store is open, there's this yeah. backlog of all these physical books that nobody want. Right, right, right. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm watching a lot of comic book YouTube, guys. I know a lot about the business. Yeah, gotta know about these things. <laughs> what uh, is there? Is there any comic book YouTuber that you recommend that is like really good at bringing people in? I like this guy, uh, uh, CBH, his comic book Harold. Uh, his name is Dave, but so it's Harold, not like the name, but like. Like Silver Surfer's the Herald of Galactus, like that kind of Herald. Uh, he does uh, these really good uh, reading orders on his website, which has really helped me dig back through X Men history. And he does these great like unpackings of issues, like the new stuff that comes out, and connecting it to like that hero or villain's overall Marvel journey, which is really it's really good. But nobody watches this stuff, so I shout it out whenever I can. Nice. What is uh? What's something you think is underrated? Uh, I think cashews are underrated. Mm. I've learned that wow. in quarantine that you can put cashews in almost anything and make it better. I put cashews in soup. I put cashews in ice cream. It works either way. There's no other real. There's cashews, no other food man. like that. Wait, cashews in yeah. soup like a cashew yeah. soup or what do you I, mean? I, well, okay, so I get like this lobster bisque from the supermarket and I mm-hmm. like cook it and cook cashews into it and it gives it like uh, some more texture and it's real good and everybody wow. should try it. So are you grinding up the cashews, like chopping them and then putting them in? Or are you, uh, they're whole? Well, it just depends on how lazy I am in that moment. I've done it all the ways you can do it. And uh, it, it, every way works for me. Are you a fan of cashew milk? <sighs> Unfortunately, no. I'm still, I, I'm a little weirded out by the nut milks, all of mm-hmm. them. Uh, Malk? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I still kind of, my brain doesn't understand how that works. So it's a little resistant. I am using almond creamer now, but that's only because my supermarket didn't have regular creamer. So okay, I tried the yeah. almond creamer, and it's just as good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, cashews, I I used to really, well, as a kid, I was put off by cashews just because of the shape. I right. was like, there's no way that tastes good. It looks like a curled up turd, and yeah. I don't want anything to do with it. And then as I, I think it was just one of those moments, like in college or something, I had nothing to eat but a bag of cashews near me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, I really, a good Finely roasted cashew, uh, a, a, a wonderful experience. It's pretty good. Mix it in with a little pretzels. You ever mix cashew and pretzel? Same mouth, same time? Haven't, wow. but, I, but I, I plan to now after okay. you yeah, just put that good, idea man. in my it's, head. Cashews make everything great. I, lo- I love cashews. Uh, I also love Todd. Have you heard Todd Glass's bit about cashews? No. <laughs> um, he talks about just like he had this rich neighbor dad who was always just like, jingling cashews in his hand like that was just like his baller move like yeah. tossing them in his mouth and it was like the most baller thing he could ever imagine uh, it's so funny to even just think now in the world we live in the idea of seeing someone on the street holding a bunch of loose nuts in their bare hand and just yeah. eating them i'm like dude are you okay is have those been sterilized please is stop for help please don't do yeah. that you're giving me anxiety i don't know where those nuts uh, have been yeah oh. We're talking about things that are like really well timed, like 
the Netflix reality shows where it's like love is blind and uh, this reality show where like people are horny, but they can't touch each other, which is like a perfect metaphor for quarantine. But there are also like things that are uniquely poorly timed. Uh, the Doughboys covered the Pizza Hut product called Dippers. That's like a they just took the took the sauce out of the pizza, and now everybody just like passes it around and like dips it in oh, the in premise. And it's just like so gross and like so <laughs> the opposite of. And we also talked on a previous episode about how KFC had an ad campaign that was just launching that was like. All about the finger licking thing, yeah, gratuitous finger sucking, <laughs> like like deep throating their middle fingers. You're like, oh, yeah. don't get all the sauce off. Licking other people's fingers, it's just like, yo, that Wait, could the, not have been the pizza you're talking about. Was that the marinara sauce came on the side, and you were basically given slices of yeah. cheese bread? You would then have to reincorporate the sauce into <laughs> Pizza Hut does not. Like That's they, they just feel blast. like they need to, they need to Taco Bell eyes and KFC eyes pizza repeatedly. They just always need to come up with a new concept for pizza eating. But it's, and it's like, no, just make good pizza. Yeah, pizza but that's just is deconstructed pizza, already. isn't it? It's just de- yeah, it's just really... deconstructed pizza with an added level of like uh, an added uh, step where you can incorporate germs. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this though, as a parent. That shit, that shit works, man. Right like when they when they <laughs> when they put true. the little like tricky marketing yeah. on it on on just yep. separating it and putting it in a different form, the kids want it. They want it real bad. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, even yeah. when you just I remember being so fucked up by marketing, just hearing something that sounded different. I was like, Mom, I need this now, and she's yeah. like, Well, no. So you can wait till you're an adult and you can buy the shit yourself. Cut to me now, uh, not knowing how to use my <laughs> money, but right. like. I remember there's a you know there's a uh, pizza chain called Amici's, um, and I misheard it very for the when I the first time I ever had Amici's pizza was at this kid's house, and he I I overheard them calling it a meat cheese pizza, and it oh, was just shit. a plain cheese pizza that came, but it had fucking incepted my mind, and I was like this meat cheese man I love meat <laughs> cheese, and I'm like this cheese pizza is great. And I kept asking my mom, like, we need a meat cheese pizza. I got to get the meat cheese. And she didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. And credit to her, she did try and sounded so like like an immigrant mother, like trying to like asking for a meat cheese pizza. And they're like, what do you mean, pepperoni? The sausage? Oh. We don't have that. <laughs> then I finally oh. saw the shit written down and I was like, oh, uh. idiot. And I'm going to just shut the fuck up about this. But it's true. Like children... Just something fucking slight, even mishearing it, yeah. it sent me on a fucking entire journey. Oh man, that's so heartbreaking. Your mom like trying to, <laughs> trying to get a meat cheese pizza yeah. for you and getting like no, we would racist have fights. pushback. No, well, we would have fights because she would oh, be like, they don't no. have it. I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I just talked to DJ and he said that's the fucking place. <laughs> it wasn't Damn. the right thing. Yeah, but now oh. and then when. When I finally figured it out, I had to just, I couldn't fucking admit it. You know what I mean? Oh, I was like a no, Trump voter. Too much pride. Like, too I was much like, pride. You're never, yeah, you're never going to hear me say I fucked my vote up. I'm just going to be like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out they uh, did away with it. Don't worry about it. Uh, what is something uh, What is something you think is overrated? Uh, the Tiger King, I think, is overrated. Okay. I think, all right. uh, you know, I think we all watched it because we're at home, but it's not really that yeah. good. It doesn't need to be that many episodes. And I can't really tell you anything that happened in it. I can tell you like a lot of shit that was implied. I can't tell you a single thing that actually happened. 
right, right. entire thing. It would maybe just be like non sequiturs. They're like, <laughs> hey, man, I remember uh, that one time, I think he was just shooting like a, a huge-ass shotgun at some Tannerite. I think I remember <laughs> that part. And mm-hmm. that's about it. And then like just yeah. the music videos. But yeah, I wonder if, I wonder if like a lot of people's like backlash or the evolution was just because so many people talked about it. Like we're just like, it was fine. Is it that I'm trying to figure out like where, how we would have responded six months ago to this. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if we would have watched it as much, because I remember when I saw the trailer for it, this is when I was suspecting that we were going to have to begin locking down or like working from home would be the new normal for a second. I was like, Oh shit, okay, some garbage to watch when yeah. I literally have all this time. But I wonder if I would have I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. I usually don't watch stuff like I don't know. I watch some stuff like that. I like to watch like the true crime stuff, but when it's like sure. the, the crime is actually solved or something. I don't like the the open ended ones so much. Right. Um so I, I don't know I don't know if I would have watched As a matter of fact, when I first saw the trailer, I was intending not to watch it. But then it was kind of interesting, and I didn't have anything <laughs> right. else to do. Right. And so then I was like binge watching it before I knew it. But like they announced a new episode, and I was like, wait a minute, a new episode? Why? <laughs> Why are you yeah. right. a new episode yeah. of that? And yeah, then you watch it, and it then rolling. you get mad because the production <laughs> value is low, because that actually has like the subconscious effect of reminding you of how not normal everything is. Mm. And that's why I'm like, I wonder for me if I just came back around to sort of like, it just became a lightning rod for my frustration of like where we're at. Like, not that where we're at, but it's just like, yeah, man, then there's that thing that everybody loved for 15 minutes. And this is, it's just sim- like emblematic of, uh, or like it, it mm. symbolizes kind of like what this is right now. I don't know. Yeah. And I think there's like some cultural, like people who, who aren't familiar with that part of the country, who that's how they prefer to imagine that part of the country. Right. As just like unaccountable, like just completely like make no sense to them. So they must make no sense. And I I think there's that like sort of, I don't know. I'll be interested to see, uh, in 40 years, how we look back on all these uh, docu-series and documentaries. Because like, when you look back at like the things that were considered great documentaries of the past, a lot of times like there's like really fucked up things at the center of them. Right. Like Nanook of the North was like super fucked up, the story behind that, how that was made. This Disney documentary that won the Academy Award, like they were also the it was the documentary where they invented the idea of uh, what are the things that run off of a cliff like one after each other? Lemmings, lemmings, lemmings. Yeah, they invented that shit for the documentary and threw animals off a cliff to like film wow. it basically. Um, but then like even like high culture shit like in cold blood, there's like all sorts of weird moral implications of that so i i do wonder like in the future it seems like that's the way things go when it with with regards to like non-fiction stuff as we just like get a better perspective on how fucked up the inherent right. like conflict of it is uh um, i i do have to ask on behalf of jamie uh open mike eagle did you watch the jinx i did watch the jinx and i enjoyed <laughs> and it very much is robert durst innocent it, no, there's no way. Okay. How could be, how, I how just could had to get you on wax. Had to get you on wax. <laughs> <laughs> no, every time we bring this up, and Jamie usually is one of our co-hosts, she 
Uh, I mean, I, I'm presuming it's a bit. She's a Durst truther. <laughs> she's a Durst. She always talks. She's a Durst truther, but it's always worth a laugh. Did how see, how uh, does she defend the bathroom thing? No, she does doesn't. She... It's just it's a bit, but okay. it's but it's so she's so invested in it that it's it's amazing <laughs> to treat her as serious. But did you watch? Um, I can Don't defend F with the cats. Bathroom. I didn't watch right. that. That one is also a fucking weird ass true yeah. crime thing too. That. Def- definitely re- resolves at the end, but it's a it's another one where you're like, what was going on? Like, who are these people on <laughs> Facebook trying to figure out crimes? Was that okay? Did yeah. the municipalities need to do more? I really like Evil Genius. That was my. I think that's my favorite one of all time. You seen Evil Genius? Yeah, that yeah. one was. That one wild. to me is incredible because those people were fucking weird and they did some weird ass shit. And then like there was no way you could have expected all the weird ass turns the weird ass shit right. took yeah and yeah i felt very satisfied after watching that was there some yeah. pushback after that came out like something to do with her was there i feel like the, i don't know I, there's maybe always there's, some pushback yeah i'm like i feel like there's, there's not a single documentary true crime anything where it's like actually <laughs> <laughs> but that one also like looked at a story that i remember when i was a kid seeing in the news and just like that capturing my imagination just being like yeah. what the fuck like there are people out there who have like high-tech collars that explode to your head and they can yeah. just like kidnap you and yeah that was wild uh finally what is a myth what's something people think is true you know to be false okay so i was a little worried and i still am that this may have been the myth that i said when i was on before but i really couldn't think of another one so i hope this isn't the same one i said but um there's a myth that that musicians make more money now uh, or at least when the world was back intact uh they made more money touring now than they did before and uh-huh. that is not true <laughs> is that based off of like what what's the flawed logic behind the myth that like somehow tickets are more expensive therefore you're getting a bigger cut at the door or what right like it's basically based on this this uh this kind of wishful thinking almost that um, since there's no more money in physical music, that people are making more money from touring somehow. But it's not. Oh. It's, it's basically the same money. Yeah, it's just right. minus the revenue from the physical product. <laughs> right, from the sales. Right. right. Yeah, 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 so yeah. It's, it's So it's not that, that you make a bunch more money touring. It's like that's most of your money now. Right. right. Yeah. And that's why, like, yeah, the bands that are crushing it, you're like, they're the arena rock bands. Like yes. when, you're, when right. your smallest venue is the Rose Bowl, and you're <laughs> right? like, yeah, that yeah, makes you're doing sense. Well. You're doing yeah, well. Exactly. I, it's also curious. I mean, I would love to see some kind of true crime thing about the ticket industry mm, um, ooh, and ticket those master. relations between like Ticketmaster, Live Nation, you know, what, how all that moves. Because I it's feel like that's nasty. a very, yeah, it's a very, and it's also a very nebulous thing. And it's very abstract for anyone in that side of the business to fully get their head around how the money breaks down and where the tickets are and what the fuck is going on. Yeah, man. Like, there's like, there's basically like Rock Nation. Uh, since Rock Nation is a partnership between you know the old Rockefeller people and Live Nation, they just own a bunch of venues, right? <laughs> which is a weird thing. That's a right. weird thing that like they they own a bunch of venues and um, they're able to promote their artists that way and make sure they have spaces to perform and, and well promoted events and and all that sort of thing. You know, it's right when, yeah. when you're really independent. All that shit is a real drag. But you know, this is I guess it's just where um, it's just where most entertainment business is headed. 
Right. I mean, that's that's the thing that's illegal in the film industry that they had to like mm. get rid of the monopolies where the studios also owned the theaters because that just is too much of a like vertically integrated supply and demand chain that like you just they can just control everything. They so got overturned though, didn't it recently? It's going to slowly, yeah. yeah like it's I thought, been up slowly, in the air. I thought Netflix, Netflix bought a theater. I thought because it was like, yeah, like that, that had loosened a little bit, and that's why they're trying to figure out if they need to relitigate this because they're like, are we just gonna slide right back into that? Yeah, because and right. AMC is dying right now. Like, yeah. so yeah. there's gonna be a huge void in that market, and and I know like the you know the production companies in the world, the studios are going to want to step up and try to fill it. Yeah. Yeah, Oof. Disney. Yeah, gosh, There's just going to be theaters that only show Disney movies. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe that's really how, in Demolition Man, the franchise wars occurred. Is mm, like there's some right. kind of depression, and like a lot of the big companies had to sort of go into hibernation. And then as they looked to whatever the future was, maybe saw holes, starting to corner new industries, and then boom, Taco Bell's on top. They've won the franchise wars. Yeah. And then what that means for you know music or film too. Yeah. As if that's demolition, man. But <laughs> it is, man. It's all demolition, man. I was, I was watching. It, uh, we're probably gonna get to uh, talking about the last dance, but I found out in yesterday's episode that Dennis Rodman's hair dyeing whole gambit came from uh, Wesley Snipes and Demolition Man. The first time he dyed his hair was when Demolition Man came out, and Wesley Snipes had blonde hair. He dyed his hair blonde. And then he liked the attention that he got from it. So yeah, and then he got Madonna, and then Madonna back. changed everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It all goes back to demolition, man. Mm-hmm. I've been saying it forever. I always uh, see in my mind. I this was like a thing I'd always think about because if you remember, there's a Robert Townsend film called Meteor Man. Yeah, and the 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 kids in that movie were rocking bleached afros in that movie. And I always thought people were like, man, you know, Wesley Snipes. I was always a Meteor Man truther when it comes to the pro <laughs> thing from the early 90s. Because I'm like, no, nah, man, Meteor Man. The kids were rocking that swag before Simon Phoenix was in San Angeles 2032. And I was, as I look, Meteor Man came out in on August 6, 1993. Demolition Man came out October 8, 1993. Wow. So they're oh, wow. only two months apart. So it was apart. just in the... It, it was, was just, just in the, the firmament. wave. And I'm sure yeah. some other like hair historian stylist can go back and actually say they're referencing another thing. But for me, I always remember that first sort of real, truly mainstream yeah. representation of that look came in Meteor Man. All right, guys, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And. The CDC has added six new symptoms to the COVID nineteen list. Uh, yeah, which which of these are new? I guess so. We've got. Let's just go through them. Officially, right in the beginning, the three main symptoms that the CDC kept saying to look out for were fever, cough, and shortness of breath or difficulty breathing. That was got it. it. And now, as they you know have more data and they're seeing, and a lot of people would say these other things too. So the full list is now fever, cough, shortness of breath, difficulty breathing, chills. Repeated shaking with chills, muscle pain, headache, sore throat, new loss of taste or smell. So the reason they also did this is because since a lot, obviously testing is the most important thing right now, they, and some places are saying you have to be showing symptoms to get tested. They're saying, okay, well then all of these are symptoms now. Wow. Get these people tested. Uh, Like this is this, because I mean, yes, there's plenty to suggest that these are symptoms, but to make it narrow just to those, because they saw some people did have COVID and only had the loss of smell thing going on 
So now by expanding this, they're hoping to get more people tested, which, you know, hmm. is the right, what needs to happen. How do you know you can't smell nothing if you're never even around other people? How do you know? That's, that's a good point. Smell your armpit. Oh, if you're, if you're a true. parent uh, of, a, of a baby, then that, that's how I, that's I've a good yeah. learned that I can't smell shit. But yeah, I don't know. That, that one <laughs> seems so specific, and it's the only one I have. So I feel like maybe I do have COVID-19. I don't know. Um, it's like, uh, yeah, you're like, you're like those dudes in Fury Road who are addicted to that chrome, but you're sniffing diapers. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, <laughs> keep me alive. I know I'm alive, yeah. baby. Yeah, I think it's really, I, the, like, and the reason I said armpit is because the moment I thought I'd lost my smell, I, like, for some reason, my, you know, like your pillow, you can kind of get this same, you, you, if you ever have your face in your pillow, there's detergent, whatever, your head, you can smell it all. And it didn't happen to me in bed, so I had to immediately go to my armpit just to be like, is is there some remnant of funk <laughs> that the nose is working? It's the only time funk is ever positive, you know? Yeah. It's mm. good. Uh, and I'm no hypochondriac, but I have a problem reading symptoms because I feel like I have them immediately. Everything yeah, on this too. list when I'm reading it, I, I, I don't have these things, but I feel like I do. I feel like I have chills. I feel fucking fine. <laughs> Suddenly I got <laughs> right. chills. Great. Chills um, with body pain? So I'm like, well, I... <laughs> I did go on a run this morning. It was really cold. It was chilly, and it was aching. Huh? Could be. All right, guys. Well, let's talk about the continued fallout from what I think is still uh, Donald Trump's last press conference. Uh, yeah. When he got up there and started suggesting that people uh, somehow in- inject UV radiation or uh, bleach into their body, into their lungs to kill Clorox, or that doctors should do that. And like on the one hand, it was like, that's just another stupid thing being said by the president. But this one seemed to, for whatever reason, be one that like even his followers, even his base, like sort of wobbled a little bit. They were like, wait, what the fuck? Well, yeah, some people had to do the thing, be like, no, he meant to say that. So actually, you look stupid because you don't understand English is what he suggests. It's like, okay, please. And I think, again, people need to realize what most people responding to isn't the fact that he's saying shit like oh man like we gotta check out the clorox remedies and and shit like that it's that this man looks like he's winging it on stage in the middle of a pandemic i could give a fuck what he said specifically Mm. it does not inspire confidence in me to see the commander-in-chief take the stage and then look around be like hey i don't know should we look into this uv light stuff how about maybe clorox what are you doing (laughs) in between these things Dude, shut the fuck up unless you're going to say something. And I think that's why the White House is now trying to pivot a bit to say, okay, we need to, clearly this is fucking not working. um, And we want to come out with just more focused briefings. Because it's funny, like the New York Times and Washington Post kind of were analyzing how Trump speaks during these briefings. And they were just basically like, yeah, he mostly uses the time to like suck on his own porcini dick during the fucking (laughs) briefings. But like you don't need to analyze that to see like what you're seeing. It's like, yeah, he he does it's a ton of self-praise. It's a lot of blaming other people, uh, and absolutely zero empathy. That's like the, that the hallmarks the of the that, briefings. Yeah. Somebody pointed out like towards the end of last week that like he just hasn't said a single empathetic thing. And I had sort of taken that for granted because he's uh, clearly, like, just narcissistic beyond the capability of feeling any sort of empathy for anything. But it is wild to to imagine literally any other president, like, and how like their their whole 
job would be, you know, making it seem like the the government is empathizing with them, like while while all the, all these uh, programs are being put into place. Yeah. Uh, but he is neither empathizing nor putting those programs into place. It seems like. Well, and you'd think that with now the death toll, uh, they're saying it's gonna will very much likely surpass the death toll of the Vietnam War this week. That even then. You know, like a question like that, it's like, we're looking at a tremendous loss of life. Like, we're going to top 60,000 pretty soon, which is like the fucking kick ass, we did a great job number that Trump was talking about earlier, uh, like maybe a month and a half ago. But even in those moments, just fucking just doesn't register. Tens mm. of thousands of lives lost. Just boop, nothing. Mm. Maybe yeah. we should blame China. And like that, that's all they have. And what's interesting, too, is there there was this puff piece in Politico written today about Hope Hicks, uh, you know, who left famously left the White House, who was like the Trump whisperer. And we had reported how she had come back and we're like, uh oh, that means like they're having a hard time getting him under control. The yeah. in, in this puff piece, a lot of the excerpts just read like they're straight shit talking or just it sounds like she completely is terrible at her job. Um, I just want to read a couple of things because some a lot of this is directly uh, related to the coronavirus response. It says, for Hope Hicks, it marked a challenge unlike any other, trying to develop a communication strategy for the president to carry with a wartime footing in an election year. The former White House communications director urged the president to act as a frontman for the coronavirus, a leader who could offer calming messages, critical health information, and important updates on the progress of the White House's response efforts, instead of delegating those responsibilities to health officials or the vice president. Then, this says, along with Kushner, Miller, and Staff Secretary Derek Lyons, Hicks urged the president to give an Oval Office address to the nation to convey the seriousness of the pandemic amid Americans' rising anxiety and volatility in the stock market. That was the mm. March 11th speech that went so fucking bad uh, because it was poorly written. No one really vetted it. And he just like, they just let him do his thing. Uh, again, right. this, is, this is the work of Hope Hicks, apparently. So, I mean... To be fair, in any like with literally any other president, that would be the right answer. It's just yeah, he's, but he's you've been working with of... this man long enough to know. Yeah, you he should can't go up there yeah. and do oh, that. For sure, you just yeah, had, yeah. you just got called on in the pitch meeting and you didn't come with anything. So yeah. You said uh, Oval Office address. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the stories that seems like it's getting a little bit of traction uh, that we wanted to fact check is the idea that Trump's. Clorox speech was responsible for a bunch of calls to poison control wow. um, because people were saying there there was a a spike in calls to poison control, but uh, there's been articles fact checking it, and it seems like you can't necessarily tie the two uh, because there's just been a overall spike in calls to poison control because so many people are like over disinfecting everything, <laughs> like wow. people are. Like dipping their groceries in bleach and shit, so oh, wow. everyone's uh, th there's just more of that going on in general. So people like dipping packs uh, of Chips Ahoy in in bleach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, pizza oh, that pizza. probably wouldn't be as bad as like dipping an apple in bleach. <laughs> right? and then, uh, yeah. that's what you what? don't want to do. Uh, yeah, a piece of pizza. It's the it's the Big Dipper from Pizza Hut. Yeah, right? exactly. No sauce, bleach instead. In bleach. Pass around a bleach packet. That's right. I mean, people have to... I mean, I guess this clearly shows that people aren't reading enough. One of the first things I was thinking was this kind of stuff. Like, okay, shit. Does this mean, like, I have to wash my fucking, like, anything maniacally when I bring it home to eat? And a lot of the experts, like, 
transmission through food is very low risk. Yeah. But yeah. they still say, yeah, you can take precautions because absolutely the bacteria can live on all of these things. But like, it's hard because I think you see people just do, it's like they either do too little or absolutely too much in the case of like, let me just spray down my food with Clorox spray and then forget that I'm actually going to ingest that later. Yeah. Our writer JM was pointing out, it's not necessarily his, like, I mean, it is bad that he's able to spread as much misinformation as he is, but it's also, and like this really surprising thing about this one is his just susceptibility to believing uh, misinformation is really scary. Like that this is a very stupid thing that we can almost assume that like 99% of the population wouldn't believe, but we can't assume that the president understands that. And people were trying to figure out like where this belief came from. And apparently just days before Trump uh, made that statement, he got a letter from Mark Grennan, who is the leader of the uh, Genesis 2 Church of Health and Healing. Oh, boy. And he told Trump that drinking his uh, chosen brand of bleach that he sells uh, can kill 99% of the pathogens in the body and can rid the body of COVID-19. And last week, the FDA had uh, obtained a federal injunction to stop him from selling this shit. <sighs> but yeah, they think that their bleach can cure. He's he's tried to get his bleach used to cure anything from uh, cancer to HIV to autism to the common cold. Wow. And so. they're saying that Trump his interaction with him may have led him to this conclusion. All we know is he got a letter a couple days before and that specific idea somehow got into his head. Well, he famously who, who does not him. listen to people. And even when right. it came to um, when they asked him how he was going to go about reopening the country, like he kept saying that it was going to be partly based on his instincts. Like he kept <laughs> yeah. saying that he was fucking yeah. weird. It's like he doesn't, yeah. like he, he really feels like he's got, you know the the power to decide things, which which he does no research whatsoever. Yeah. So he he doesn't listen to experts at all. Yeah. Now we're getting like the more literal comparisons to a cult, where the leader is saying straight up nonsense, and people are like, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. Yep. Inject the bleach. Mm -hmm. That's, right. <laughs> That's right. That's what he's saying. And I trust him. He's waiting for a sign. He trusts his gut. And as I watch like the Waco thing, uh, shout out to the website Wonket who have called these like boomers who go out uh, demanding the lockdown be ended. They call them the branch COVIDians. That's um, hilarious. <laughs> because they really are like looking at like, you know, David Koresh was like, I'm waiting for a sign from God before like I move right. on acting these things like this. And the Trump thing of just saying like, I'm waiting for my, my guts to tell me something. And if people really look at that and say, yeah, I'm going to go with that over science. Like, yeah, we're fully like, we're fully, fully there now. You know, like not just sort of like the uh, like rhetorically being like, yeah, the cult of Trump. Like, no, we're now we're like going on things that are so I mean, so many things are against well, what is our like, I don't know, our accepted reality. But when you go this far, it feels like we're we're waiting we're waiting for the next miracle or spaceship or some shit to come down. Yeah. Miles, you were d researching boomers in general and their struggles with core life. Yeah, there have been a lot of articles like just kind of talking with boomers because I think as these movements, like the ending the lockdown thing, like people are just trying to get an idea of how people are feeling. Um, but in the daily beast, they were raising a couple interesting things. I mean, overall it seems like a lot of 
baby boomers are getting they've hit a they're starting to hit a wall in terms of like how long they can like stop living normally. Right. There's like one woman that they interviewed who's like, oh, I'm just zoom, zoom, zooming all day. Like, and it's not good enough. Like I'd rather be there. Like I used to go here and go do that. And I don't like this anymore. And you know, this woman was in her seventies. She was uh, like a retired teacher and many younger past students were offering to like help her with groceries and things. She has a husband who's 78. And this is like another thing, even talking to my friends and anybody seeing like, there's this, this resistance to help mm -hmm. from younger people. Um, and you know, credit to everybody who's found a way to help their elderly relatives or, you know, neighbors out that helps save them their pride. But the, they go on to speak with an expert, like a professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences and a researcher on geriatric behavioral health. And just saying that like isolation in other research they've done in terms of like the effects on the elderly social isolation could be really, really bad. And they just say from, you know, past studies that they've looked at, they said they have this very, very intense need, their social interactions, quote, um, they need it beyond what they get via media, such as touch, to feel they are in touch is very important, quote. So functional decline could be dramatic, hmm. meaning that their ability to perform their like tasks to take care of themselves could begin to decline. And it was interesting on some of these interviews too, you'd see people be like, oh, I, I think I have like an ulcer maybe, or I thought it was just like, like a re acid reflux, but it's gotten a lot worse and I probably should have gone to the doctor but I didn't know. I didn't know if it was that bad a deal and the COVID thing. And it's just, and so like you're hearing too from people not taking, like it's having Care certain effects yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a lot of this shit overlaps with depression and like yeah. mm -hmm. some of like the quarantine is just like enforced depression. Like it's, I, I had to like force myself to start exercising because like you really can like more easily, I'd say, fall into the behavioral patterns of just being like, I mean, I, I definitely did. I, I don't want to speak for other people, but I definitely, it was easier for me to lapse into behavioral patterns that I've had with depression than in other times when I can like get out and do right. stuff outside of the house. It's been really interesting to note in my own life how, like, you know, a lot of my choices were based around like going outside. Like, you know, like, like there's, there's like, there's only like, I feel like there's only like a tenth of my wardrobe I access right now because like the, all the <laughs> right. rest of it was built around like going places and seeing people and right. wanting to make sure they hadn't seen me in the same thing. And like, yeah. you know, all of this, this stuff that I wasn't even consciously thinking about, but was just like motivators of why I would make certain decisions. And like you say, like it's, it's really easy to just fall into a pattern of like nothing matters. Yeah, um, which is a which is a yeah a very easily door for depression to open and, and and set in. Like I had to, I had to like, like another reason I'd started doing that quarantine radio show was that I had to decide that it was Monday one Monday so that I would stop drinking. Right. <laughs> I had to like put an end to the weekend right. weekend right. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Enforce uh, Mondays. Yeah. Yeah. The the other things uh, the other experts they were talking to they were saying they were raising some alarming points. Now, granted, a lot of the isolation research that's been done with the elderly was done completely out of the context of this quarantine. So they're not saying this is what's going to happen, but they're saying typically the, the effects of isolation can be really, really, really terrifying. Then like a recent study that they had put out in terms of looking at elderly people who were going through chronic isolation, they said 
25% increase in the risk of death from cancer, 29% increase in the risk for heart disease, a 32% increase in stroke risk. So mm. there's a lot of things that go along, like, you know, with just, you know, when you take out that social uh, dimension of like life, it's really a lot of uh, a lot of bad things can happen for older people. So please check in on elderly friends and family. Uh, I know a lot of people too have been saying their parents have started watching more Fox News. Who people have not even oh, see, started watching Fox News because Fox says the shit that they want to hear. Wow, on which less is like okay, boomer. More you okay, boomer? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. Exactly. I have a I have uh, a report from my neighborhood. Uh-huh. There's a there's a um. The, the people who live across the street from me are older and they have a, they have a party every Sunday. They have a fucking wow. party every Sunday. Like the first time they did it during quarantine, like they were super loud and like they're playing the music super loud and the fucking helicopters came and was like hovering over their house and shit, but it didn't stop them. They still do it. They still wow. do it every fucking week. It is unbelievable, but it's also, it's like, I, I can tell with them, it's just hit a certain point where like they have, they have to be around each other. They have to, yeah. Like it just. Yeah. I think what I think, and it's kind of what you're getting at too. It's like what they lose when it comes to not being around each other is way more than you can quantify with just like you know productivity or you know what I mean. Like it just yeah. it means yeah. so much more to them. Well, because yeah. especially at a certain age, like if you're retired, like traditionally, right. like to end your retirement life too, because this was shut down your post work social life that like retirees have like pretty busy schedules in that way. And so I'm sure it's probably really jarring for, you know, a seven person in their seventies to be like, but I have all these things to make my life go longer because right. I'm not working right now and I need this stimulation. So yeah, I think that's why a lot of, there's been a lot of talk about this quarantine fatigue that we've seen like, man, Southern California, we, some beaches, we absolutely disgraced wow. ourselves this weekend. Holy wow. shit. In Orange County, like Newport and uh, Orange County, it was a popping. Um, Ventura County, not so much because their rules at the beach was sort of like, you can come to the beach, but you have to keep it moving. You can take a stroll yeah. along the beach. Don't mm. swim. Don't stop. Don't sit. Just keep it moving. They have a keep it moving order. LA, they're like, fuck out of here, dude. Like if we catch you, right. it's, you can't it's bad. It's bad. Stand don't get beach. fucking near here. And yeah, there's been like a study from researchers at the University of Maryland showing that like... They've seen for the first time, they've been tracking sort of anonymous cell data that the social distancing effort has like across the country declined by about 3%, like measurably. Um, And we'll link to the footnotes uh, to that study because what they do is sort of average out by state how many trips someone might be taking, the average distance and sort of how that compares to over time. But I think it's, it's natural, right? I think at a certain point, yeah, people are trying to meet their own natural resistance to this way of life. But I, I think it it just says that we have to strengthen our resolve to com- stay committed to this because it's truly like the outlooks can be really bad if we don't. Yeah. And it's not that they're overcounting the number of people who are being killed by this disease. And in fact, they are probably undercounting because there's a new report that uh, like when you just look at the expected number of deaths like just across history in the US and then this year like around the time that the pandemic started like deaths went up by way more than what we're currently attributing to uh, right. COVID-19 it's mm. it's yeah. like we we don't know the full extent of of the 
you know, death and destruction and people are just. And try as we might to figure out the truth. I'm not sure that'll happen because again, and I I bring the same point up just like in Puerto Rico with the hurricane there, many people died not directly from the hurricane Mm -hmm. itself, but the lack of access to medical care and supplies and things like that. And those are deaths caused by the hurricane. So, but to keep, to keep it, uh, keep it tidy, they want to uh, suppress those figures. And I think that's really important because even in Italy, a lot of doctors were saying, yes, we had a certain amount of COVID deaths, but then we also had these other deaths that were probably, I mean, doctors were saying like we would attribute to COVID because it was based off of the strain on the hospital and these people, they were preventable deaths, but because we were overwhelmed by COVID patients, couldn't address those people's needs in time, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk plastic surgery. And we're back. And uh, it's been a couple weeks for celebrities of not being able to get in the chair with their favorite plastic surgeon. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not just celebrities, other other people who have cosmetic adjustment dependency. Yeah. Plastic surgeons are having to deal with people who are like, come on, man, oh, just a little shit. lip injection, man. There was a there. So the, a lot of this was around this photo of Kylie Jenner, who famously uh, has a lot of uh, aftermarket work done um, <laughs> to she was like leaving the store and. Her top lip was uncharacteristically thin. Um, granted, she wasn't wearing makeup and things like that, but a lot of people were also noticing like some celebs like would take selfies. Someone might comment like, oh, like your your face looks a little different. And then the pic would get deleted. Wow. Um, because naturally, you know, like this shit, it can take up to you know, every three to four months or maybe you get it annually or whatever. But a lot of the plastic surgeons are saying if you were meant to get an up upkeep, uh, you know, uh, appointment, to inject more botulism into your skull to keep your wrinkles gone, um, that right now things would be uh, starting to sag a little bit. Things would be start to get droopy, wrinkly, and for many, I think, sort of uh, superficial or looks-obsessed people, to see a mortal human being stare back at them in the mirror might be the last thing they need during all of this. You know, I had no yeah. idea that uh, this you, you were basically like subscribing to thick lips, I didn't. I didn't mm-hmm. know that it was like that. I, I thought. I thought you just did it. It's like a breast get, implant, right? Yeah, I thought you just right. get it done one time, and then it, it is good for five to seven years or something. Like so, like so, what happens? Does the stuff just get metabolized into the body? Like, where does it go? Like, I'm sure. Yeah, I guess that's, that's a really what, good question. I, I, I uh, luckily, I'm very happy with my lips, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, that, like what exactly happens? But I think it's like, yeah, this the effect or the plumping effect goes down from whatever the reaction is to what they're injecting um and so they uh jezebel like contacted a few different plastic surgeons some in like los angeles and a lot of what they're saying is mostly for the record they're like i i stopped seeing people on march 17th like when we were shutting the city down i stopped and there's tales of like you know some people being like I'm doing as much as I can, even though it's not quite what people want, like doing like, you know, FaceTime consultations and being like, okay, I'm going to prescribe you this thing, which is like a chemical peel, but they can't do procedures. And so I think a lot of people are getting desperate. And some of the doctors are like, you know, and I'm, you know, there might be people who are actually making house calls, which would be terribly unethical, uh, considering that a lot of these offices who had their shit together were like, 
absolutely, I'm not doing any house calls. They're like, I'm sorry, your face will recover after this, but you're just going to have to deal with this. I mean, it was interesting to see like what part, what, like where on the spectrum some of these plastic surgeons were in communicating to patients or clients. I mean, it reminds me of the barber situation here in my part of town too, because there are definitely barber shops that are like secretly open here. Yeah. And in one sense, I, I, I certainly understand that things are shut down in order to keep everybody healthy. But on the other hand, I'm like, damn, like what do people do when, when all they've ever done to get income is cut hair and now they can't have a shop? Like, I don't necessarily know that them being secretly open is the wrong way to go about it either. I feel like if right. somebody wants to take, I'm, I don't know, I guess even that gets bad too, because you're not just taking a risk for yourself because you can be you know, spreading it to yeah. other people and all of that too. Um, I just I I do think about it from the hustlers mentality too, and and I don't right. quite know that telling those people they can't make any money for three months is like cool either, you know. Well, I think that's right. why, like, yeah, to really have a bear of like a fair and balanced discussion on what we do is we have to begin considering people like that in how we support them when shit right. like this goes down, rather than be like, hey man, just you know your team no sleep, get on your grind. It's like, right. no, no, like we, we have to also be able to tell people like, even if your income might not be able to be verified a certain way to get right. this kind of assistance that you still need to extend that assistance to other people exactly. because yeah, the option is to put other people at risk. And I think that's what you see in some States like too, like Georgia, you know, killer Mike has like a, and his wife own like a, a chain of like beauty salons mm -hmm. and barber shops. And they're like, I don't care what the governor says. Like, we're not, we just can't like, we understand everyone's need to like, you know, it, it helps for your feeling of like self-worth and you feel good when you get your hair cut and things like that. But on some level, it's like it's having to grope with that, you know, the right. the, the risk involved. Yeah, I, I do feel I think barbershops are going to be one of the first ones to open up because people. And in fact, there's a the front page of Drudge, the uh, conservative like front page of the Internet has a. A uh, headline. The top headline is "Back to Life," and it's uh, a picture from a uh, barber shop. Like mm -hmm. I think that is something that's like on people's minds. It's like I just need to get my hair cut, man. <laughs> yeah, this well, feels it's, like shit. I don't know how many I've seen. I, I look through my Instagram stories, and I've seen so many uh, white guys. Uh, panic shave their head. <laughs> yep. I'm like, uh oh, dude, like, I don't know what to do, man. <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> I guess this is how I'm dealing with it. I'm like, I guess this is okay. What I, I don't know. Like I've now. always had my, I always cut my own hair, but I, I can, I know that feeling though too. Like when you just sort of like you're looking at it, and you're like, fuck it, man. I don't know when I'm getting out. I might look the same when I come out. Uh, but there's yeah. also a lot of great comedian. There's like this comedian in England who's been having his followers send him uh, photos of their own self, their home haircuts, <laughs> and it's <laughs> so funny. Like it's just, it's actually a great. If you ever want to, you know, give someone a laugh, cut your own hair and share it with the internet because <laughs> that there's like photos of these guys wearing like like literal metal st stainless steel bowl. mixing bowls trying to perfect yeah. the bowl cut wow. and still it comes out fucked up and they're screaming <laughs> in frustration but oh, we man. get it we're all dealing with it and i think even to mike what you were saying like you know it, it, it we have to kind of confront our our tendencies of like always needing to flex or stunt or like look mm -hmm. a certain way or appear a certain way too because yeah i'm like i have like a rotation of five, like three t-shirts and like three shorts and underwear that I'm like, I don't need to do any, I don't need to complicate this. Like right. this is, this is the rotation. 
And then thinking like, I have all this extra shit too, mm-hmm. which like I get is fun and you like, I don't know, but I don't know this, even for celebrities not being able to get their lip injections or whatever, I think on every level, some person's examining like what their outward life was like and how much that, you know, affects their day-to-day decision-making. For sure. All right, guys, we have come to the point in the episode where I'm going to recap uh, episode three and four of Last Dance, the Michael (laughs) Jordan Chicago Bulls documentary. Mike, have you watched any of it? Uh, the Michael Jordan show is the best show in all of television. It should win Oscars, Emmy, Grammys, and Tonys um, <laughs> for all years. You got Yeah. Did you watch episodes three and four? I sure did. So, I mean, my overall review is, uh, yeah, it's the best TV show I've ever seen. I, I needed this so bad. Oh, my gosh. Just inject it <laughs> and just pour it directly into my veins. These two episodes had some great footage of Jordan being Jordan. We got the shot where he hits the shot in game five over Craig Elo to send him to the uh, second round of the playoffs. Uh, and you get to like see it from different camera angles. Like even for somebody who's like pretty familiar with that shot, like seeing it from different camera angles and then, you know, why, like hearing the crowd just like die in the stadium was pretty yeah. cool. I feel like I've only seen the one main shot, which is from behind MJ when he takes that shot, yeah. and then the fist yeah. pump where he just where he pff, jumps Craig up Elo's and it looks soul like he, leaves his body. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like he kicks Craig Elo in the face, but it's just he just yeah. has metaphorically kicked the entire. Yeah. And then like Shorty Yuken's the Holy Spirit, basically. <laughs> And he's yeah. like, is he like telling, he's like apparently telling the crowd to like go to fuck home. Is that when he's, while he's, yeah. while he's yeah, bumping he's like, his fist, he's telling yeah. everybody to go to fuck yeah, home. Yeah, you didn't know that. Oh my God, <laughs> that's amazing. That um, you also got one, of, you know, their first championship, uh, you know, the, the finals, 91 finals against Magic Johnson. Uh, it was pretty dope. Uh, and then because this is, uh, ostensibly about the 98 Bulls, we get this is uh, episode three was the Robin episode, and Robin is just like twice as interesting as anybody else yeah, who's man. ever played basketball. That was one thing, like, if I like this was the first episode where you start to see the imprint of this being like Jordan's documentary, like him having complete creative control like starts to come in because I feel like you could have gotten more Rodman. Like there's really interesting footage of him like playing in his early days. Uh, there's footage of him like studying tape, which is interesting because mm. you think of him as just like, you know, this aloof guy who doesn't really give a fuck. And he's like this student of the game who like studies everyone's shot to see like how it uh, like comes off the rim and studies their offensive games to uh, figure out how to defend them. And I don't know. It feels like you leave some good stuff about Rodman uh, on the table because it, like, as Rodman joins the Detroit Pistons, it like then weaves into like Jordan's battles with the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> like it's like it's almost like hearing a guy who's had a couple drinks like telling a story and then being like, "Yeah, but back to me." <laughs> um, but. It's it's dope. Uh, it, did, it was a great episode. There, did Michael talk about how that made him start lifting weights more? Mm. Yeah, yeah, he oh, does. Okay, yeah, 
15. Oh, yeah. I didn't see the episode, but I just know that was like the moment he was like, oh, fuck, dude. That he put on, he put on like 15, 25 yeah. pounds of muscle, muscle in one yeah. off season. <laughs> was, yeah. He went from like 195 to 220. Uh, and there's like some, like he looks wild eyed and like very dangerous when he's lifting weights. Like he looks scary, man. <laughs> he is just yeah. completely on fire, just losing his mind trying to get ready uh, for that next season. CJ Toledano, uh, Megan Gailey's husband, on Twitter, he added Ron Harper because, you know, Ron Harper played with them and he also played with Shaq and Kobe. And he was like, who wins, Ron? You have to tell us now. And Ron Harper actually responded. He's like, it's going to be the Bulls, bro. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> the Bulls? Just, yeah, he said it. that's it oh, had, yeah. that's what it had to be. Um, but uh, it was, it's just funny, too, how much this... I haven't watched I haven't watched any of this series, uh, but I'm going to uh, because I absolutely love this era. But I think I, I'm having like weird watching anxiety where like when I hear something's really good, I'm like, oh, shit. All right, I got to fucking like prepare myself to like really watch this really good thing. When other then I'll be like without thinking, watch absolute trash bullshit TV. <laughs> uh, but like in a way, because I'm such a like trash like cockroach, you know, like microbe subsist, subsisting on trash. When I hear of something good, it intimidates me. Um, but I love like everything about this team and the people. Like Dennis Rodman's growth spurt in yeah. high school is one of my favorite stories of human growth I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> where he went from yeah, like, but five, they eight don't to even six, talk about nine. that. Oh my. They don't even talk about that. This man went from 5'8 to 6'9 in one year as a 16-year-old or 15 years old. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Did they talk about right, Scottie yeah. Pippen's growth a little bit more than they talk about Dennis Rodman's? But yeah, I they don't really get into it. I understand Rodman what you're saying about being intimidated. Because like I'm similarly intimidated by Fiona Apple's album. I haven't been able to finish it because <laughs> it's right. too fucking good, you know? Yeah. And it like it starts it's to so fuck with it. It's the same thing. But my my one of my main takeaways from this Jordan documentary is like how much everybody who's featured in this is like equal parts brilliant and maniac like all of them they're like right insane and absolutely brilliant at the same time right. like like the stuff where they show Dennis Rodman um like just talking basketball and talking about defensive schemes and it looks like he's seeing math in his head but then like he's got to go to Vegas in the middle of the season <laughs> like he just has to, <laughs> right? Like, and to the point where Michael Jordan has to show up to his hotel room to get him and out pull of him Vegas. out of bed with That's, just Carmen drag Electra. him out of bed with <laughs> Carmen Electra, right? Uh, unbelievable, yeah. Like that was that was so interesting that like it. So uh, Miles, it's like after Pippen has sat out the first thirty five games of the season, he comes back and like Robin. So. Part like one version of it is just like he had been on good behavior for too long and needed to like go let, let loose. But the other version that you get is that like he felt like he was the number two and he was like MJ's main guy. And then when Pippen came back, his like feelings of abandonment came in. It was like Aww. really interesting psychologically. And then he like goes to Vegas and it's like some dark shit, it's man. Crazy. Like you I just mean see him like. He's he's there like at, at one point he's just in a parking lot drinking a a Miller Light yeah. like outside just like hiding from the cameras and then he gets on a a Harley and just like tears ass away yeah. and it's just like damn man yeah and this is like while that, he's man. on break from the fucking from like, the bull while right. the season's going on it was insane right yeah. Yeah, it was in season while his team's trying to three peat. Just gotta rest him, you know. We got load load yeah. management, <laughs> and then he comes back and 
he's like in great shape. Like he can still just like beat everybody in sprints and everything. Like that. That's one of the th- two details about Rodman that I've just heard elsewhere that I wish they had included. Uh, one is that he would lift weights for hours after games, which is like insane. Like players need to like, what recover after games. His, his recovery his was weightlifting. Was weightlifting. That's why he was like stronger than everybody. Man, he was so athletic and so fucking strong. And then the other one is that he returned to Detroit after his rookie year, and they were like, "What? What did you guys all do in the off season?" And he was like, I was wrestling bulls and castrating them to like uh to to stay in shape. And wow. like he was like stronger from uh which is just a wild because he's from Oklahoma, you know, he's from middle it's of nowhere. Tiger King country. Yeah. And look at Tiger him now. King look country. at him now. He's who he might be have a hand in the new North Korean regime. Um the the other episode is a Phil Jackson episode uh but they're all kind of yeah, Phil weird. Jackson episodes yeah. but he gets I I feel like he gets cooler in my estimation. I did not come into this thinking he was very cool like his uh his run with the Knicks was pre- not super impressive. Uh no. he was like falling asleep <laughs> on the bench and shit. And like I don't know, some of his spirituality shit seemed like kind of hokey to me, but there's like he grew up next to a native American reservation, like hung out with native American kids growing up. And that's where his, uh, obsession with that kind of comes from. I thought it was just like that surface level hippie shit that were people, but like, uh, he's got interesting psychological insights into Rodman and seems to be very empathetic. Uh, he seems like a pretty good dude. He's a hippie for real. That part was great. For real. He was like doing acid. (laughs) Yeah, they yeah. that was something from the book that they didn't really dig into that much, but that he was like he uh, wrote about having done acid like while he was a player in in a book uh, after his career was over, and like that kept him blacklisted from coaching for a while. That's what Jerry Krause I thought had an actually a pretty decent uh, documentary, uh, co- decent couple episodes because like he's the only person who was willing to take a chance on Phil Jackson and like. Even that he fired Phil, uh, not Phil Collins, Doug Collins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he kept Phil Collins on for a couple of years, actually. After that, but uh, and and brought on Phil Jackson, like when Phil Jackson was just like kind of a nobody, and Phil Collins had just took them to the Eastern Conference Finals. But um, and then there's a good scene of him dancing badly, Ooh, boy. Uh, just humiliating himself in front of the team. That's that was real, funny. real bad dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan's eyes continue to uh, be distractingly sickly looking to me. I don't. I don't know what's going on with him, uh, and <laughs> that's it. It somehow got worse from the first two episodes, uh, or maybe I'm just like now paying more attention to it. That and uh, Horace Grant seeing Horace Grant for the first time was surprising. Horace Grant really- looks like he's about thirty nine and a half years old, and I cannot accept it at all. He looks incredibly young. It it makes no sense at all. He and he looks like a different person because he's like lost all his muscle definition, and so he, yeah, it, it is so uncanny because it's like, and now here's Horace Grant who is just a different person who is the same age as the person the last time you saw him, or like not not much older. It's just very weird. He looks younger to me. I can't deal with it at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Overall, though, uh, five stars out of five, I'd say. Everybody should be watching this. 
Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure having you, man. Where can people uh, find you and follow you? Uh, Twitter at Mike underscore Eagle. And I'm really uh, pushing my Patreon right now because I can't make any money doing anything else. So uh, it's patreon.com slash open Mike Eagle for people who want to support and get a bunch of extra secret access, facts, music, and all type of other stuff. Cool. Nice. And uh, is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Oh, I like this one tweet that says, uh, having a baby is like the dark souls of Tamagotchi. That's a lot of references in one, <laughs> but I really like that a lot. Wow. That is from, uh, that's, from that's from Grimes. Whoa. That is from Grimes. Wow. Yeah. Okay, okay, Grimly. With the, tri- with the triple entendre. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Miles, where can people find you, and what's the tweet Ooh. you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Miles of Gray. Also, my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance, where we talk about the trash that I subsist off of. 90 Day Fiance. Uh, let's see. A couple of tweets that I like. A few, actually. Excuse me. First one's from Drew Anderson, at I'm Drew Anderson. He tweets, these guys you're calling king don't even have a bed frame. Uh, <laughs> next one from Amelia Elizalde. It says, just got dumped, and my roommate is trying to make me feel better by playing cards with me, but she just keeps winning and whispering, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then another one, um, because of uh, the, the last dance, I, I knew this obviously has something to do with it, but this is a, a video from past guest um, Mamadou Ndiaye who was showing this moment where I believe is what you're referencing, where Dennis Rodman is envisioning like tactically what he does on the court. Um, and his caption is, this is how I give directions to tourists in New York. Wish, boom, uh, click and go back this way. Boom, here, here, click and go that way. Boom, that way, click here and go back this way. <laughs> so it's just very a very, thing. very confusing description of directions. So I uh, appreciate that one. Tweet I was enjoying, Rabbit Cohen tweeted, the Furby's eyes are on the front of the head, which implies that it's a predator. Uh, <laughs> very scary. Uh, you can find me on Twitter wow. at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, footnotes. where we link off to the information that we talked about. In today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on, Miles, what's that going to be today? A uh, track from Shigeto. Uh, hey, I love great Shigeto. Great producer, great, fantastic drummer. I, I always knew his beats and productions, but until I saw, I think it was like a KEXP or W, what's that station up in Seattle where they always do the really great live performances? KEXP, uh, yeah. Yeah, KEXP. When I saw him doing uh, tracks from his No Better Time Than Now album live and playing drums, I was like, is in the fucking pocket. Um, so this is a track from yeah. that album called Ringleader. Uh, fantastic song. Just great uh, everything. Yeah, so check this one out. All right. Well, The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. We will talk to you guys then. Bye. Bye. Bye.